Greetings, you've landed at the VUC, IP Communications and VoIP Community. We would like to thank Simwood.com for their support. Simwood can turn you as a developer into a telco. Our hosted PBX is from OnSIP.com, and you can go to GetOnSIP.com for a URL people can click to call you. We've been privileged over the last five years to be using the best conference bridge on the planet. Yes, I'm talking about ZipDX.com, full-color, full-featured, full-HD conference bridge. Our website, VUC.me on the web, is hosted by Bluehost.com. And our worldwide local rate dial-ins are from Voxbone.com. Okay, thank you, Michael. And I want to thank Tim Panton, one of our regulars, for the idea to invite Mr. Aaron Day with us. This is VUC 572, December 18th, 2015. I will now reveal myself slowly. Here I am. And uh, you know and love me as Randy. Uh, that's wishful thinking, I guess. Anyway, we're going to get to all of this in just a second. And we don't, you know what's great? We don't have any events to announce. So we're going to go right to our guest right after I play you this. Do you recognize these sounds? Let me turn up the volume so you can hear them. Okay, that last one was the most discreet. And I think, Aaron, uh, either that's your baby or you worked on that. Uh, I, I did make that sound, yes. I uh, take credit and the blame. Okay. Now, you, we've been talking, because we warm up here, and we've been talking about a lot of things. So we need to back up and kind of loop back to what we were saying. But first of all, Aaron, uh, we generally ask people how they got into what they're doing. So we'd love to hear a little bit about your... Uh, your parcours is what we would say in French, because I'm like you. I'm having between the two languages. I can't remember how to say that in English. But how did you get to what you're doing now? And by the way, what do you call yourself? A sound designer? I, I guess I'm a, a sound designer and an interaction designer. Maybe I'm an, an interactive sound designer. Um, let's see. Let's make this quick. I went to Reed College, graduated with a degree in history, which made me thoroughly useless. But um, during that time there, I became I wrote a thesis on John Cage. So uh, while I was fixing bicycles and uh, repairing homes and cooking food, I was thinking about John Cage. And I also was in love with music at the time. And um, around 1998, as I was, uh, I think I was cleaning some asbestos out of a duct uh, or something, I realized this isn't what I wanted to do, and that I was spending all this money and time to have a recording studio. Uh, with technology circa 1975. So I moved to San Francisco and uh, decided to become a sound designer. Uh, that was 98 or so, and I started working for a company called Method. While at Method, I met some very clever people who introduced me to user experience design uh, and interaction design. It was at that point uh, I saw the future, or saw my future, and have been working ever since, um, making sounds, advising people on making sounds, maybe taking sounds away for products from automobiles to medical equipment, uh, lots of mobile um, museums. I've done some advertising work. <laughs> um, uh, but, uh, yeah, and now I'm here in Berlin. I've been here for about 15 years, I'm happily married, and I have a wonderful little boy, and I live in Prenzlauer Berg. Cool. Okay, so you haven't done anything with your life, basically. But let's move on. Not anyway. at all. No. <laughs> uh, we, Aaron, we talked about, um, we talked, spoke of uh, sonic logos, because that's something that I was looking at. And um, I have a couple other questions about that. But first of all, what, we have to go back, because we already spoke of this, to, to find out what you've done with that. And a sonic logo, by the way, is a, cult, is a corporate identity, is one way to say it. What would you say about that? Well... I'd answer a question with a question. Um, clients have asked me, what makes the best, what's the best way to make a logo? What's the best logo design? And I, my answer is, well, the best, the best sound logo is the one that people hear a billion times. Whether they like it or not, that's going to be the most recognizable. So I'm not a big fan of, of sound logos per se. That is, I'm a big fan of what I might call a an auditive identity. And that could be Think about you go into grandpa's study and there's uh, maybe a cork floor and the walls are lined with books 
and there's a window that's open to the garden and a door that creaks, whatever, and you've got this beautiful sounding room. It's, it's a negative space around the sounds that you may create in your, in your conversation or in the work that you do or the reading you do. So I, this is a, certainly a, a, a utopian state, but I like to think that uh, the future of, of sonic, sonic logos is actually an inversion of that. It's creating, it's creating space for us to live our lives and experience without having the auditive equivalent of a pink and green flashing light coming up every time I access a piece of software or service or product. Excellent, excellent points and a great analogy of going into a room because um, an ambience, an amb ambience uh, of grandpa's room or the study or the library or the, this whole idea, that, that's perfect. Um, I want to play just because I have it queued up and I think it's kind of a funny, uh, I've got to go back to it now. Let's see. Sorry about that. Um, and it's going back through several things. Sorry about that. Um, well, we're hearing all the different. All right, here's a, I just wanted to mention this. This is a funny thing because it's some uh, some um, computer sounds from the past. So it's a it's a collection. It's just a couple of seconds though. Fourteen seconds, and I'm sure a lot of people will be able to identify this. Here it is. I've got to turn the uh, volume up. Why did they change the exact tuning of that, I wonder? Anyway, that's the Macintosh wake-up sound. And I think it's worth talking about that just for a second because that sound is extremely annoying if, unless you're alone. Uh, for example, if I come down and I want to boot a Mac um, and everybody in the house is sleeping, there's no, there was no way to turn it off. Then for a certain period of time in OS X, somebody came up with a flag I don't know if you remember this, Tim. You could actually install a thing that stopped that from happening, and now I think you can't. Uh, but anyway, Aaron, um, this is kind of one of these examples of um, unwanted sound. You know, <laughs> Revo says, I love those sounds. They are nice sounds. I mean, what, what do you think? What's your take on all that, Aaron? The Mac, ups, the Mac startup sound. Everything. It's, it's when, when do you hear that? Because it... It tells you your computer. Oh, that's nice to know. Um, it communicates computer is or is started up and soon will be a state. So I think it does that job pretty well. But you might a hundred times a day an uh, office uh, term for it anyway. An office where you've got fifty desks and over the span of twenty tosses and it all goes bong. I would say that that in that context, that sound. What what maybe as they turned on, they announced their presence to each other, and uh, after the first couple, they all muted, or or maybe they turned the volume down, or a low pass filter was introduced across those even more, so it was even a more muted sound. Mm -hmm. uh, Aaron, you were getting some packet loss. You're back now, and let's hope it stays. I don't know if anybody's where you are. There's uh, some traffic on the network or whatever. Um, <laughs> and someone said privately, Grandpa's study, Randy's room. Everybody can see behind me. It's quite a mess and all. It does have an ambiance. Uh, I got your message, and I think one of the important things you said was uh, that does this sound happen 20 times a day? By the way, the ping, for example, is, is a perfect example of something that could happen a lot. And, and Wire, getting back to that since you've worked on that, um, Wire is an example where they've <clears throat> they've worked on the interface so that you can get a ping for the first action in on a channel uh, or all the time. And if anybody among us, we're all on wire, everybody on this call is on wire, um, if you've let it, left it set to ping with every activity on the channel, I'm sure you ran to turn that off pretty quickly at some point because it really does get annoying. And it's not that the sound itself is annoying. It's just that the concept of getting 25 things an hour, uh, a minute is mm -hmm. annoying. Anyway, so that's a problem too. And that is not your problem. That's the problem of the actual interface. You're absolutely right. And um, that's why working 
working in sound design at the level of the interaction flows is vital to making a good experience. If you wait to the very end and, and sort of slap it on top like some cherries on the cake, then you will have that problem of maybe some people will be fine with it, but others will be annoyed. And we don't want to do that. Isn't that a problem with design just in general, that you need a sort of you need an integrated approach to design of the the user experience as a whole as opposed to, you know, this bit, that that bit sort of being glommed on Absolutely. At, at different angles. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, if I may quote uh, Amber Case, if, if you all don't know Amber Case, I uh, suggest you look her up at caseorganic.org. Uh, and she made a very good point about, um, about design here. Let me see if I can find her quote here. Where, um, um, it, and she's, she's quoting Mark Weiser here. But she says, well, with 50 billion machines telling us things we don't need to know, that we've moved into this era of interruptive technology. And um, design is one of the ways that we are going to uh, mediate that. We're going to navigate that jungle. And design has never been as important as it is today. I mean, maybe five years ago, people talked about, do we need, do we need to worry about design in products? And now it's a given. Um, it's just a point of when does it get integrated and how much of the design reflects the strategic goals of uh, an enterprise. Aaron, um, we we all tried caseorganic.org, and I tried it with a with a hyphen as well, and we're not getting it. Oh, I'm How do you sorry spell about case? that. C A C A S E. If you just look up Amber Case, yeah, maybe it's better to do that. Amber Case. Let's see who gets it quick, the quickest. Ted Speaker. Oh, it's Case Organic. Just for your information. <laughs> all right. Let me go there, and we'll. we'll I want to put it on the. Uh, that's why I want to put it on the, on the video. All right, so it's Case Organic, which is should be on my, below my yeah. uh, chin now. Caseorganic.com. Okay, the world is not a desktop. All right, so that's something to study later. And by the way, Aaron, um, where can people reach you? Now, I saw that you have a site, which, which Michael cited on the, um, on the slide, but actually on your site, it's basically just a contact page, right? You don't have that's any... That's that's correct. Right. I uh, I don't have I don't have a website. I probably should. The upside is that I'm I'm busy enough that I haven't had to worry about that so much. But people are welcome to contact me directly at ad at receive transmit dot com. Okay, great. I don't know if you're game for this because we got a lot of things we could be talking about, and it's a fascinating mm -hmm. topic. But a bunch of people have put YouTube's into the IRC. And I could grab a couple of them just to see what it is, and then you can comment them if you feel like it. You don't have to, but let's sure. let me put it in my volume and see. Oh, we, I did this one already. No, that wasn't the one I did. It's what, 10 hours? Oh, it is, it's 10, it is 10 hours. Yeah, thank you, Jungle Boogie. All right, next. <laughs> Try one other one here. That was funny. So you have 10 hours of... And we did hear that one. There's actually a site. Actually, if you just Google, which is what I did, you Google for for Sonic logos. There are a couple of sites uh, that come up. Let me do it again so I can uh, give you that because this is a fascinating topic, and there's a lot of stuff we won't be able to cover. <laughs> Sonic logs. All right, not Sonic logos. Uh, so Sonic Logos on YouTube, you'll find a thing. You will also find a lot of Sonic branding. Imperfectpitch.com has, for example, mm -hmm. a bunch of examples. Um, independent Sonic Logos on... You'll see a bunch on YouTube and uh, Wikipedia and so on. You, so you, uh, the VUC approaches you, Aaron. We've got this conference... Um, and uh, we, what is the procedure? We come to explain what we do, and you go, you think about this, and you, you come with a project, and you say, okay, this is it, or is there a, like a long dialogue involved in this kind of thing, or how does that all work? And, and, and what are you referring Sonic, to? I'm, I'm re right now we're Sonic logos. I know we're going to move on okay. to interface in a minute. Um, um, it's um, well, it, it depends. <laughs> Every client is different. Mm -hmm. um, I. 
I developed uh, the startup sound for the Chinese auto company Coros, Q-O-R-O-S. So when you sit inside their car uh, and you start it up, you hear a sound that I've made. And in that case, um, I worked with um, a company called um, Icon InCar that did all the interior uh, uh, HUDs work, um, as well as the company itself. And there was a lot of a lot of distillation of information. Uh, a lot of different ideas uh, were brought to the table. Um, most important was just, just defining the requirements. What what do we need to happen? And again, what do you want to hear? every time you start your car because something and this comes back to decision makers often since again sound is something that maybe is later on in the project and people don't spend a whole lot of time thinking about it because they can't see it they can't say I like the red one or the blue one they have to listen to it and because their their grasp of sound is most often and fairly grounded in music they might make a decision based on hearing something five or ten times, not ten thousand times. So that is probably what I spend most of my time on an initial engagement with a client is working with them to put themselves in the place of the customer, of the user of their product, to think about what is this person going to experience. Because yes, maybe you have some things you want to tell them about your product, but they're the one who's going to have to experience it, and they will associate your name and your product with this sound every time they hear it. You just said the key of everything to do with communication, whether it's visual or oral, and uh, we tried to beat this. When I was in the business of, uh, of uh, helping people do websites, it's the same thing. We told them, don't base your presentation on what you think is good or what your cousin or your wife or your wife's family thinks is good. Don't listen to anybody. Find, either get into the position of the person who is going to be visiting the site or in this case starting the car, whatever we're talking about. You've got to get yourself into the position of the person using it and you have to do it long enough to realize, as you've said a couple of times and it's important, um, if we're going to hear this sound every day when we get in the car, then we need to know what kind of what that feels like. And it's, you know, I mean, it's, um, I, don't, I don't know, I don't have a car. How common is it to have startup sounds in cars, actually? Well, it's more common all the time. I mean, how, I don't know what the, how many miles of optical cable go into each automobile that's made these days, mm -hmm. or how many, you know, there's hundreds of sensors in cars. Uh, you can't, you know, if you're, if you're, if your CPU goes out in a car, it's it's not going anywhere. So there are as much computational devices as they are vehicles. Um, Let me pose a question to you there. Uh, and here again, it's sort of integration of design. I, I'm driving a Subaru. It's a 2015 model. We quite like it. Do you think that the, uh, the startup tone that we hear, which uh, plays out of the car stereo, right? And it's. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's an aspect of that specific gadget within the the vehicle or do you think that was considered in the broader context of the vehicle as a whole that's a good question i think that depends on the manif i've i'm not familiar with subarus i know that Audi, um uh, down in ingolstadt here in germany they've got a i think their audio team is like 50 people or something they've got a huge number of people working on integration of the auditive experience from the sound of the closing doors to the muffler note to the sounds inside the car. So they're, for them, it's an integrated part of the product. For Subaru, I don't know. It, it's likely that that sound design was part of the human-machine interface or the HUD, however you want to call it, part of that team's work and was probably separate from the people designing the interior. Now, when you get in a car, um, I think it's a great opportunity, if you are going to play some sound, that it could reflect part of the aesthetic of the automobile. In particular, if you've got a subwoofer in the car, let's make a startup sound that a little bit. It doesn't have to be big, but something that, that envelops you, like a big, like a big. maybe if it's a muscle car, it's a, it's, a, it's a big kind of a powerful hug or something. Or if it's a small uh, electronic... Uh, uh, energy-saving car, maybe it's something that reflects uh, reflects that aesthetic. 
There's a lot of room there, and since you've got a surround sound in the car, you can also pass things back and forth. You know, you could do some really beautiful spatialization. Um, there's there's wonderful opportunities there that haven't been explored. And and there's uh, you know you could further integrate that by saying okay, and now our car doesn't have it. The one thing we'd like to have is um, um, you can have electric seats, and mm-hmm. you then you can have electric, but but you have to go sort of up a considerable step in cost to get electric seats with. Uh, positional memory, so, you know, kind of his and hers, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that kind of thing, that saying that somebody is much smaller in frame, suggests that you could have sort of an acoustic profile that says, when the missus gets in the car, she's greeted in a particular way. Absolutely. That scales from when, you know, somebody much larger gets in the car, for example. Absolutely. So. Personal preferences, uh, there's no reason why your mobile phone shouldn't tell your car how you want it to be, how you how you want everything to be. So, you, Michael, are you insinuating that, according to the weight on the seat, there's a sensor, and it's like you should think about exercising music. I, I, no, not 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 even that. But I, but I could see I could see things like, for example, um, well, the logical extension of that is at some point when there's so much weight in the car, it actually schedules a doctor's appointment for you. But. <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, you know when you have when you have passengers getting in the car when the car is not just you you know then that implies certain things about the acoustic reality of what you might appreciate when the car is first boarded and started right with passengers you may not want quite such a kerfuffle you might want it to be a little more subdued uh, as you're you're board I, I don't know that but clearly there's a lot of room for thought here right and that's our, our guest's domain, and, and it's a wonderful thing. Absolutely. We should probably move on to um, to apps, because, Aaron, you've done a lot of work in that area. So besides Wire, which which actually doesn't have a million sounds, um, have you done something that had, like, I don't know, five to ten sounds that needed? Because that would have been, that really be would be a, a tough thing to do, because you'd have to have a... Uh, consistency in the sounds amongst themselves, but they'd have to be obviously different, right? Have you done something like, or even if it's three, it's still, you need a family aspect, right? And yes. a distinguishing thing. Anything like that? You can, you don't have to say Actually, wire, wire ships with, um, oh, right now, I think, different sounds, including uh, uh, yeah. I, groups of sounds across four, maybe ten years ago or so. But uh, actually, this is where I'd really like to read um, uh, to bring in the idea of calm, which, I, uh, which is the, um, the the Mark Weiser quote I wanted to read earlier, or, or, or definition, which is that which informs but does not demand our focus or attention. Right. And um, in in many applications, that's been the focus: is that these these sounds are there to 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 bring your focus to something, to bring you to look at this one thing, and um, if we get fifty billion to each other and all wanting their bring their app to the surface, what is that? What's going to happen when they're all demanding your attention? Uh, and I actually throw that out as a question to to you guys. What do you think is going to happen? Are we going to have the problem that there's too much sound, uh, just like we have the problem of uh, visually? Uh, being assaulted all day, wherever, even if, whether you're walking, driving, uh, looking at a screen with ads, um, we are sub- submerged in visual, right? Um, yes. Audio right now, you're forgetting about you know noise on the street or whatever, just uh, as far as the devices we interface with, and I think that's what, what you're saying. Um, okay, you're in your car, You're maybe you've got the radio or podcast or something, but there's all kinds of other things that are happening. And if you're maybe in a self-driving car as well, it's going to be a big, a big thing, right? Because the car is going to have to either make little beeps and noises or it's going to have to talk to you. Now, I don't know whether it's preferable for the car to say, I think this guy in front of us is going to do something crazy in a second. Or if it's like... You know, I mean, hard to say, right? Because um, the voice thing gives you that 2001, I can't do that, Dave vibe. Um, mm-hmm. And and the sound thing, well, that would be pretty daunting. I don't know, maybe there's going to be an encyclopedia of a thousand sounds in such cars that need, in other words, a car, self-driving car needs actually to talk to you quite a bit um, and concisely, right? Yes, and you brought up two important points there. One is you just described the uh, speech interface. 
which takes if you are going to, if your car is going to say Dave you're about to crash that took me probably one and a half 1500 milliseconds or so maybe a little bit longer whereas an alarm sound that goes off that can happen inside of 100 milliseconds so there's a lot of utility there to be leveraged in these sounds but my point is is if you've got a bunch of different devices and maybe they know each other all know each other are there but they're all demanding your attention at a different um, in, in their own unique way because they've all been branded that's um, that's the conundrum I see and that's the conundrum that um, I think there's a lot of opportunity for uh, for development for and maybe not just turning things off but awareness that these devices are aware uh, aware of the the notifications and the demands for attention that they're making on you you know that makes me think of something Aaron which we've talked about here before uh, with regard to IoT IOT, which is having a hub that centralizes this stuff. Now, as far as product design, that doesn't make sense, but it might make sense for humans. Uh, and what I mean by that is that somebody centralizes those messages, which means that uh, both the sounds and the verbal cues would be coming from the same sort of hub, if you will. Mm-hmm. And that's also a possibility, which 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 give you, <laughs> which would give you an excellent uh, chance to do a lot of work because you work on the hub instead of having to deal with fifty thousand different committees from fifty thousand different customers. Yeah, standard standardization is a great idea. I still don't know how how that's going to work out. I think Tim Tim Early said, uh, you, you, Tim, you made me think about. There's a quote about Americans uh, where um, Winston, Winston Churchill maybe said that. Trust Americans to do the right thing after they've tried everything else. And um, you said something in effect of like it's it's all going to go wrong before it gets better. I'm sorry, I don't remember what you said, but this made me think of this issue that it's that maybe we're going first before uh, before they get better. Um, does anyone here know who Murray Schaefer is or the idea of acoustic ecology? No. No. Um, I I put that in uh, Murray Schaefer acoustic ecology. Um, there's a there's a movement around this, primarily in Canada and Japan. Although there are, there are enthusiasts in the United States, and it's it's like it is like it sounds to take the idea of of an ecology and apply that to the um, time based domain of or the auditive domain, and um, you know that's that's a hard sell to a client who's worried you know who who needs to push millions of products that to tell them about maintaining an acoustic ecology, but if you look at our world and you think about the sounds around you, about the fans that are going on, um, uh, the clicking of piezo, of, of, of relays inside of devices, transformers in the wall that maybe have 60-cycle or 50-cycle hum, depending on where you're at, all of that makes a, a sort of fog in our, in our day-to-day life. And if I may borrow a, a term from my friend Rich Green at, at uh, Cedia, you get the shoulder drop. Like, when that stuff goes away, when you turn off the fridge in your kitchen or you pull the, 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 the things out of the wall, they stop humming, oh, suddenly everything, the world gets a lot nicer. And I see this as a, as a sort of a micro example of what the benefits of thinking about our acoustic ecology could be. How do you leverage that on a product level yet? I don't know yet, but it's worth thinking about. Could I spin this a slightly different direction for a second? Please, and I hate, I hate to be a naysayer, but... Um, I've spent a couple of years in in um, conferencing and uh, before that broadcasting and and it is such a struggle to get people to build even meeting rooms and conference spaces that take yes. into account their function. They want all this at your restaurants, you know. It's glass and brick and stone and tile and steel and the ambient level is horrendous and but they like it because it's quote unquote lively. There are places I won't go because you can't have a conversation with the person you're sitting beside. Architectural and, acoustics. Well, yeah, but I, I I would argue with you that there's no such thing because architects don't give consideration to acoustics. No, no, no. You um, wow, it makes me happy to hear you hear that. Although some of my good friends are architects, they architects they they look and they listen and they taste with their eyes generally. I'm gonna get yes. some hate, hate mail, but. Um, I, I, so there's there's a, a need for awareness, and I suppose yeah. if, if you're spinning it back towards products, how how do you find sort of uh, you say yourself you're busy, so there is some level of awareness, but is it is it growing? Uh, is it only in the Apple domain, or you know wh- where does it? 
how does that go? Well, hey, back to Wire, actually. Um, one of the things, one of the projects I managed to get through at Wire was um, we hired a local company to come in and acoustically treat all the meeting rooms at the company. Um, I, did, uh, I, I did an example where I, I recorded the CEO on one of the, the calls, one of the uh, group calls, people, only a third of which were native English speakers. So you had that hurdle, and you had him talking in an echoey room, out of a Macintosh into an echoey room, and the developers at the far end of the room, they, they, I asked them, can you hear what's going on? Like, we have no idea what's being said. We have no idea what the CEO is saying. We only heard at the beginning that this was important. So I recorded that, played it back to him, and uh, I was lucky that um, I, I believe his father was involved in the uh, audio industry. He says, yeah, I know this makes sense. Let's do it. And so we treated the rooms inside the office, and suddenly the rooms that had been treated became the most popular spaces for people to meet and even to come work. So it, it can happen. It's expensive. It takes a big commitment. But if you think of the cost of, say, developer time, say you lose 10, just 10 minutes per day, you've got 20 developers, that's 200 minutes per day, amortize, or think about that over a cost of a year, you can easily amortize uh, doing room treatment uh, in a small to mid-sized company without any problems. In restaurants and cafes, it's another story. In schools, it's a huge issue. They've done a lot of research in showing what happens to kids who are in brow light, bright, loud environments versus kids who are in acoustically treated environments. It's um, there's no contest, but uh, it costs money. Well, and it, it does cost money. There's there's truth to that, but doing nothing costs money as well. And it, it, it you know you're going to if you're going to put up walls, right? You have to. It, it costs money to put up walls. So it, it it's not dramatically more to put up walls that give some consideration to the function of the room, use of the space, this kind of thing, as opposed to saying, well, I've, I've built you some walls, there you are, whatever you're going to do with it. Um, it's when we've sort of abstracted the function of the space from its form that we run into problems, I think. Um, anyway, um, I work from a home office, and it's not ideal, but I've spent money to ensure that the ambient level, uh, barring when it gets very cold and we have little heaters running, is uh, is acceptable and to the point where you know I replaced a network switch because it had a fan that I just couldn't live with. <laughs> yes. Uh, and my wife, on the on the other hand, gets quite agitated when I like loud music. But well, the music is intended to be experienced that way. The fan noise was sure. never intended to be experienced. <laughs> Indeed. So. Michael, let me Anyhow, mix, let me mix up ready. two two of your questions um, that were good ones. Are two, two, you and James. James wants demos and wants to play noises and stuff, and he's right, uh, rather than just talking about it. And Michael, you said something that's great, which is to uh, get Aaron to comment maybe on, on some of the things that he thinks were effective. I'm, I'm uh, paraphrasing you here. And, and yeah, maybe less of, effective. What impresses? What, um, and maybe I can try to search for these, Aaron, and find them and play them. Is there something that you can think back to that you thought, wow, that's good work. In, the, in any, whether it's, whether it's uh, logo or, well, application we're not going to be able to do. So it almost has to be a sonic logo or something like that. Any, any comments that we could maybe try to search and listen to briefly? Um, or not effective. I mean, we were going there after, but you can go pick either one. I don't know. There's, uh, I, I can't say there's a single sonic logo that... I enjoy. There are ones that are less that trouble me less than others. Mm -hmm. um, I'm probably the wrong guy to ask because I just I just I think too much about it. Um, again, it's it's all about context. It's about when the best, the most beautiful, the most beautiful sounding instrument played at the wrong time in the orchestra is going to be the the wrong sound. So I can't impress enough about the importance of integrating that with user with, with interaction design. So in this case, um, I think Apple does a pretty good job. You know, they've been doing it for a while. It's, it's, not, it's not bad at all. Um, the uh, Philips, some years ago, I think with the time when everyone is putting out teapots that beep, they spent an extra 50 cents and put a bell into their teapot. So, and what a wonderful thing uh, that when your electric tea cooker is done, it makes a nice acoustic ding. And it's that ding, because it's a mechanical 
device is going to be different every single time. That leads me to where this is all going is procedural audio. That is, gaming Gaming has been using this for years. As you walk through your, mm. your, your whatever game universe, you can hear the fire crackling to your left. As you walk by it, you, get, you if you run by it, you get a Doppler effect. If you walk by it, you hear it, uh, the frequencies changing. And up until now, almost all applications and services uh, and products, something happens, some PCM data gets run through a pipe and out of a speaker. Yeah? But what if it knew what you were doing? What if it knew it could listen to the ambient noise in the room, adjust a low-pass filter or a high-pass filter, and adjust the volume as well? That I have not heard, but that is my focus right now, and this is where this is where it has to go. Everything's got a CPU unit. It's all getting faster. Um, there's no reason why uh, devices and services and even audio logo sound different every time you hear them. I, I did a couple patents for that, for, for wire, as a matter of fact. I don't know if they're out yet, but they have been filed. I, I think that's brilliant, but I also, uh, as devil's advocate, would uh, would put forth that, have you ever tried the adaptive display brightness on your phone? I've never seen a phone that does that well. Anyway, it's looking at the, you know, it's looking at the context, but brilliant. Let's look at, uh, for two seconds here, because I have this up. So here's some, uh, since you mentioned Apple, uh, here's some of their sounds. Let me see if I can bring this microphone up here. So, that's that's. I guess that's when you've done something. No, that's not going to work, right? Is that what that means? Yeah, it's a tritone. And I'm not even sure. I'm not even sure what the difference of these are. This is these sounds you hear all day. But I'm not sure what it means. I just know that when I hear a sound, I did something wrong, basically. Let's look. At, run these. Run these by real quick. That sounds like kind of a message thing. Again. I guess these are things you can choose for maybe for... Yeah, they probably spent like $7 million on this collection. Well, you've, you, you've played a mixture of, of iconic and symbolic sounds. That is, if Out the, of barn, context, by if the, the way, barn door is left open, maybe the sound that would play would be a... Letting you know that the horse is getting out, as opposed to a, which is saying something negative has happened. The barn door has been left open. So Apple does a mix of these symbolic and iconic sounds depending on the um, depending on the use case, and some people like them, some people don't. You know, I I turn most of that stuff off, um, but again, I'm the exception, not the rule. And I've done a lot of research, a lot of user research, and it's it's pretty scattered. Um, in particular, it gets even more scattered when you cross uh, cultural boundaries because in uh, think about the uh, Mandarin and Cantonese are tonal languages. So you might have something that sounds like ba and bao, and that one could mean something completely different. So you have to be very careful if you make a sound that imitates one of these uh, potential uh, I don't know, maybe it sounds like toilet or something. Again, uh, it, it and as our world becomes, um, as people travel and our big cultures mix and mash, um, it's hard to say what's going to work for everyone. Good points, Michael. Could you, <coughs> excuse me? Could you? Um, I'm going to try to play something. And while I, while I am, if you could possibly get the a polytone, a polytone ring, and maybe you can get several, uh, just to show those as examples. These are phone ring, desk phone rings. And is that possible, or should I shut up on that? Well, um, did it a while back. I'll get you. Some, I'll get you something that I find offensive. Hang on. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and this, uh, some of these. Here we go. So I don't know where this is going because that's the whole. Oh, here we go. Right now, this is one of the first things in my life that I would have heard, as far as this kind of branding thing. Any second, come on. That's NBC. N well, these are the variations of NBC, okay? So NBC... No, that's... We don't want to hear that. For rights reasons. Lufthansa. These are, these are long, though, Aaron, so they're not... 
so much what I'm thinking of here. But let, let me make a, sure. a distinction of these, what you've played. So the the most corporate logos, the ones that people consider to be successful, are melodic. Yeah? Right. It doesn't matter what what's being played, you hear the intervals. Right. Um, you, the la you played another one there that, that was more timbral, that is mm -hmm. the tone color, right. let you know what was going on. If you want to look for opportunity and to make something that is truly unique, go to the, the timbral logo because there's only so many times you can hear Ooh, five, 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 yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can hear these strong intervallic relationships because it, after a while, it, you're just, it's just like eating the this, this same hamburger again and again, and it's, it's awful. Agreed. Agreed. Good point. I like hamburgers. Maybe it's a bad example, but <laughs> anyway. Yeah, it's true. And an interval, uh, for people who don't know anything about music, an interval is just a distance between two notes. And uh, NBC used those famous three notes from a major triad, which is in the West the most consonant thing you can do. Uh, that is not true all over the world. So it's a perfect example of something that may sound horribly sad in Asia or in the Middle East. I don't know. But anyway, are you so gesturing? A, yeah, go ahead, I have Tim. A, a, a little story about um, the first time I ever heard um, music for games that was, or sound for games that was um, auto-generated. It was generated rather than recorded. Um, and it, the, this was a guy who had been working on this game, and he had, I've forgotten the number, but like 63 bytes to store the, the music for an entire eight-minute arcade game in. And uh, he and the team got thoroughly bored with hearing the same tune played every time they tested it. So, um, so he used those 83 bytes to to write a music composer that would compose a new tune based on a theme, but compose a new tune e e each time, so that he would get a different experience every time he played the game subtly, um, and it wouldn't drive the rest of his team mad. And he was very pleased with this. I have no idea whether he filed a patent on it or not, but. Um, it was quite an amusing idea. But he said the thing was that he couldn't compose good music, he could compose adequate music. <laughs> no, you, I, I think you, you've hit the, one of the, the potentials for, for audio logo design that still hasn't been uh, uh, done, as far as I know, is that there's a rule set. So the, when the logo occurs, there's a rule set, a procedural, some sort of procedural audio code that generates a version of that logo within parameters. So you know what it is, but it's a little different each time. And um, it'll come, maybe. You know, interestingly, if somebody wanted to look into this, I don't know if these things are still available, but um, there was one phone manufacturer, I can't remember which one, who had a contest for uh, a composers. And they got like 3,000 entries of the ringtone that was going to be the thing when you turn the phone on oh, I should have brought I should have charged up I should have charged up my old Nokia I, it was Nokia I think when they were still in business um, and when you when you open that phone there were several versions of that over the years right I don't remember it I can't hear it in my head now but um, so here, here's well, a place where this could become useful that it hasn't happened yet, and I see this in, in security and mobile payments, that maybe you create, you know how you have a, a, these TAN generators, if you're going to make a, a, a trade for stocks or if you're going to pull something out of your bank account, you have a little machine, and it spits out a unique number each time. So maybe if you're doing a mobile payment, that you have a unique set of rules that apply to... What is the sound of your successful payment? So that if you go to the shop and you um, you punch in an, uh, an amount that's allowed or whatever, you swipe it across the counter for your mobile payment, and then you hear your unique sound or um, or algorithm to create sounds that lets you know that is a secure mobile payment. Um, if it, yeah, I don't know where that would go uh, with the brands, but. Um, I think that's one case where sound could provide assurance to you. We have so many multiple, we have so many single points of failure in our life today, and they're all kind of lurking in the shadows. And these single points of failure, it it's always too late. You always find about it when it's too late. You have these sort of like micro zero days in your life. And maybe there's a way that sound could warn you. Uh, is something that builds up a little bit and saying, hey, by the way, you might want to pay attention to this thing over here because we might have a failure. 
again, I, I don't have uh, discrete. I don't have examples for that right now because no one's done it. But I see that as a way where sound can maybe offset some of what I call the ambient stress in our life. That we that you're always worried that something's going to go wrong. That if you punch in your email, you're going to get a bunch of spam. That that transaction didn't go through. You press the pay button and your browser freezes, etc., etc., etc. All of these points of failure add up to me being stressful when I interact with technology. It would be nice if sound could alleviate some of that. I think that's a great point too. Uh, I like the context-sensitive part of it too, because sounds can be can be invasive. But if they were t if they took into account the volume level and the whole ambient situation and filters and so on, that that was an excellent point. But yes, I agree. I think that's a good idea too to communicate a success, relative success of an operation during the day by sound. Hmm? Rather than congratulations, your account has been emptied or whatever the uh, another another opportunity that uh, I think Zencaster is doing it's non real time is optimizing the voice stack for a particular brand. Um, this is one of the things that we we started to work on at Wire. Um, other people have done it, so it's it's not super secret. But instead of just optimizing to make things sound as crystal clear as possible. Maybe you want your voice stack to sound a little bit more like jazz radio or something like that. Or this is the BBC, so that you model a dynamic microphone, uh, you model a, 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 a ribbon microphone, you model a discrete preamp versus an FPT preamp, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Because if you think about all the radio stations that, that at least we listened to back in the 70s, Yahoo! 80s, 90s, they all had sonic signatures to them. And anyone who's gone into a recording studio knows that there's some things, you don't know why it makes you smile, but yeah, put me through that one, please. So why not, why not make my voice? Don't make me sound me like I am. Make me sound like I want to be. <clears throat> and does, doesn't this make more sense, even in this sort of a hangout context, than the goofy little thing that puts eyeglasses on you or a hat on yeah. you or that kind of yeah. stuff, right? I mean... It's 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 just in a different plane, but it's the same sort of thing. And it could um, it could be goofy. It could be if you want your kid to talk to grandma, but he's not he's not into it. You say, hey, we make you sound like a robot. We put you through a vocoder, <laughs> and he talks to grandma. Um, or yeah, that you turn on your voice skin for for what you want to sound like. You've got the you've got the steampunk voice skin, so everything is band limited, and it sounds like a carbon microphone. I don't know, but. I, I think it could work better than drawing goofy crowns and horns. Interesting point I that think, Google hasn't gone there, yeah, at all. No, well, I think that there's there's also I think there's an interesting idea in that you can do such things to differentiate um, things from whatever the background environment is. I can think of, you know, what's going to happen as things like smart TVs continue to evolve. And we've got other things going on, like you know, you have a hangout coming in on a smart TV that you're watching television on. How do you get notified of that uh, in a manner that doesn't completely destroy the movie watching experience that you are actually paying for, mm -hmm. uh, versus somebody who's you know calling you and it's a hangout coming in and you'll defer it or or choose to take it or you know, is one going to step on the other? But that's that's an interesting kind of cross contextual application, that smart TV in the living room that's kind of half computer and not, and uh, I don't know. I think there's an opportunity there if some of the manufacturers care to take it up. Yep. I, I got a couple of atrocious sounds to play just because we need to interrupt the talk a little bit. Here's one that um, I have always just cringed. Let's see if anybody likes this. Yahoo! Okay. Yeah. Whoops. I didn't mean to play it again. Here's the, here's another Yahoo. What is this? Oh, and this video does not exist. Yeah, they've taken some of these down. And the other one was, uh, thank you, Revo. Uh, this is the Tsunami Warning Siren. I guess that's not going any further. So, but uh, yes, that sounds like a interplanetary invasion almost to me. But anyway, that's pretty pretty unique. You need you need to know that though. Yep. That there should yep. be no subtlety there at all. The landing gear isn't down, or the tsunami's coming, right. or the reactor's on fire. You definitely need to know. Yeah, exactly. I would right. love I would love to design some sounds like that, but I I, I, I yeah I haven't had that call yet. 
Here's the, yeah, that is interesting. Let me pull in uh, this last thing here because we don't have too much more time. Oh, yeah, as much time as we want. Now, Nokia... Thomas Dolby did that. And Nokia, um, this they were the company that asked for variations of that, and they got like 5,000 or 10,000 of them. And you used to be able to listen to them. Um, yeah, that's... <laughs> That sound has been, I mean, it's more than dated, It's it's, but it's very, very recognizable, isn't it? I have a short story behind that. In sure. 2002, uh, Thomas Dolby of the, of the recording artist fame, he had a company, I forget what it's called, but anyway, they, they were making, it was some sort of sonification for the browser, and he put on a, a conference that was going to be the first ringtone makers conference in the world in Helsinki, Finland. And um, anyway, one of the stories he told is that when he delivered to Nokia uh, 10 or 15 different ringtones, that just happened to be one of them. It wasn't one that was designed that was like, this is going to be it. At least this is what he told us. But some executive said, oh, I kind of like that. That became the default tone. And then that, because it was the the default and people heard it a billion times, it became synonymous with Nokia. I actually found their... Their contest site, but um, maybe my script blocker is not is causing it not to work. To see here's number sixty one o three. That doesn't seem to be working. Why is that not working? I guess they got rid of this part of it. Too bad. Um, that site is at nokiatune.audiodraft.com if anybody can get it work they they offered $10,000 US for the prize winner wow uh, okay. that's actually not too shabby Aaron I don't know no. <laughs> you might have wanted to go after that one <laughs> no sales required see they just you just submit uh, I actually submitted a couple just for fun of course they didn't get anywhere but um it was it was funny, and apparently you did not have to follow the thing, mm-hmm. but a lot of people did. Anyway, and then it was also uh, voted by the various people. I'm still trying to find out whether there was any way to play these, but apparently not. Sorry about that. It would have been fun to hear a few of them. Anything you think we could find to play um, other than... I'm sorry, I didn't come with a bunch of... It's one of the things, uh, I guess I'm a bit stubborn about this, is clients always want me to come play a bunch of sounds at them, and I I just keep... No, no, it's not on you. ...singing it's on the, us. the context song. Um, uh, if you have me back, I'll promise I'll bring some sounds. Um, again, places where we can go with, with, uh, with interactive sounds or logos and whatnot is with the advent of Class D amplification... Uh, in the last what 15 20 years and it's it's even better in the last five um, the the uh, the bandwidth that the devices can play hmm. is just incredible compared to what it was a few years ago so instead of cramming everything you know centering everything on on one kilohertz and just banging those Fletcher Munson curves why not move things down into the base and up into the into the high frequencies, up into that that really shiny eight kilohertz range, and then you can make things very small, and then you can even position them if you want. And if you use some bass frequencies, you instead of it'd be like hollowing out the middle, and using some sounds up in these ranges. I think uh, this is one of the some of the, the stuff that I did for Wire that we didn't we didn't end up using, mm-hmm. but uh, I think is there's a lot of potential for that in devices. Just just the the Again, if you have the right context, something that has a low thump, that a car is a good place for that. And for the Macintosh, things that are maybe up up between 8 and 10 kilohertz. And even for people who have uh, hearing impairments, if you get it right, you can still they can still hear that stuff. And these sounds then become a lot crisper and smaller and less intrusive than, um, you know, a, a 1.2 kilohertz beep. That's 800 hertz, but... You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, actually, um, I we have a thermometer that beeps, and I can't hear the beep. I don't know where it is. It's probably it must be well over 10k. Uh, okay, what, wherever it is, I do not hear it, so I have to I have to time it. In addition, and back to to uh, uh, interaction and graphic design, if you line these modalities up, that is, if you have something that creates a vibration, something that flashes a light, and something that that beeps, and it's such that each one of these does part of the job, 
then each particular modality is a little less intense than the others. And if it's something where it's, it's a targeted inter interaction, then you can turn all those mod modalities down a bit and get uh, some of these interactions together. If it's something where it's an eyes-free interaction, well, then the auditive domain becomes much more important uh, and the uh, visual domain becomes less important. Um, and as devices get smaller, uh, you've got your, your, I've got my Fitbit here, and it buzzes when I do 10,000 steps. I don't need to look at it. It's quite nice. So, again, it's back to good interaction design will make for the best sound design. Or put, or put another way, sound design is only as good as the interaction design that precedes it. Good point. And our very, my very old pedometer, after, I don't know, 10,000 steps or something, used to also beep. And it also had a high beep that I eventually couldn't hear. My wife would go, what's beeping? Um, question for you, Aaron. I'm sorry, Michael. Well, maybe you should go ahead. Yeah, he just inspires a, a thought. And I, I, I sometimes wonder, design lives well within constraint. Uh, and do you think that... Um, Things that don't inherently have a visual, a hefty visual component to them, like the Fitbit, for example. Do you think that um, good auditory design is sort of inspired, if you will, by the kind of constraint that says I don't have that seven-inch touchscreen thing that I'm living with? Is it? Is it? Yeah. Repeat that. I it's a packet loss. Sorry, I say it doesn't. Oh, sorry. Do you th do you think that? Do you think that? good or great auditory design is somewhat driven by the fact that it doesn't have a large visual component. Uh, Absolutely. In, in its, okay. Absolutely. Uh, because we're, we're so obsessed with uh, making pretty icons on touch screens um, that if you've got all this screen real estate, you're not really caring so much about, that, about, about sound. But if you only have this, uh, sound becomes a lot more important, or haptics in the case of okay. Regretfully, my, my experience of that is that it's not wholly the case. We have a dishwasher, a new dishwasher at home that is um, has a very small single-digit LCD display which just shows the program it's on and pretty much nothing else. And its only other thing is a single beep. It's like a minimalist dishwasher. And I have no idea what it's doing. Um, it beeps, and I don't know if that's it's out of salt or it's finished the wash or it's starting. I, I'm... And it's so well insulated that I can't even hear that it's working. So I'm completely in the dark as to what this thing is doing. And I now have to wait till my wife gets back who understands this thing and can tell me whether it's done or whether it's unhappy. And you know, a, a different beep would have solved that for me. We do I, have, I have the opposite problem with our microwave. Our microwave has only one little beep, and it's the I'm done beep. The only thing is this particular beep is like an ice pick into the side of the head. It, it just it annoys me, so I will run across the room to stop it just before it's done, so that I don't have to hear that. Um. We have um, there's one thing in this house. And I, I don't know the maker of it, but it's our wash our dry, uh, washing machine. The washing machine plays a little Holstone scale up and down when it's done, so it goes do 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 do. And it's absolutely perfectly identifiable. It's kind of cute. And since it only happens once or twice a week, it's, you know, it, it doesn't get irritating. And it's just the right volume. I wish I could say the brand because I think they did it right. And um, they also, it's pretty economical because it's just, you know, a couple of tones up and down, six, maybe six tones. Pretty cool. That's a great example, I think, of people, I think, assume that good sound design has to be complex. It doesn't. It just has to do the right job at the right time with the right components. And if a triangle wave is what you need, then so be it. Ah, here we go. All right. Let's finish up with this. Unless anybody else has any other business, uh, I don't want to keep Aaron too long. We do have to have you back, though, Aaron. This is absolutely fascinating stuff. This is great. Oh, we thank you. Well, thank you for having me. Um, but before we go, I just want to play a couple more of these because um, these, everybody, uh, uh, a, a couple of people said that this site does work. And since we're talking about the Nokia thing, here's their contest. I'll play a few of these, and everybody who's listening can, can figure out what they think of them. So this, uh, let's see, which is the winner? This is the winner, which a lot of people are, have already said on IRC they don't care much for. That does kind of suck. I'm going to turn that off right away. Runner-up. 
Circus. <laughs> wow. Okay. Jesus, where are these, some of these people? There's one. <laughs> well, um, I'll have to try to find mine now, see if it's in there. Anyway, um, you can see that there's not all that much imagination, and the, the winner certainly was not the most imaginative, but uh, I, th I guess if you go through the thousands of entries, there are probably some pretty good ones. Anybody else have any questions or comments? Uh, we could go on for another hour easily, but I don't think Aaron wants to do that now. I think he'd rather come back. I, ha I have a story love about to come back. that ringtone. We'd love to have you um, back. Go ahead, uh, Tim. Yeah, apparently the, the, um, there's a... I don't remember who it is, unfortunately, but there's a... Um, a violinist who was playing solo and that ringtone rings out in the audience and he then improvised and incorporated it into the next um, next few bars just to take the, take the mic and uh, make sure people understood that uh, how antisocial it was and then, then he returned to the normal program. Okay, anybody else, uh, any concluding or, or Aaron, if you have something you'd like to conclude with until next time? Um, uh, I think I'd like to conclude with where I started, which is, uh, again, to, to bring this idea of, of um, calm technology um, back to the fore. I would encourage people to read Mark Weiser and John C. Lee Brown's work. Uh, Amber Case does a great job of summarizing this in a Vimeo, Vimeo presentation. And I um, also am a huge fan of Joey Ito at MIT, MIT's lab. Uh, he's got some fantastic articles about IoT that are inspiring, and um, I think the ringtone stuff, it's interesting. I've done a lot of it. I'll do some more, um, and I, I enjoy it, but um, with what's happening with IoT, um, we have a lot of potential to do a lot of good and to do a lot of harm, um, but maybe to put it, to, to, to frame it positively, it's still wide open. It's a wide open win, and for VoIP, the integration of VoIP in this I see so much stuff that we could do, and we started to do some of it at Wire before I left. Um, so maybe we could do another call, talking, go, going back to talking about how how VoIP can work in this world, or what what can we do to leverage the beautiful parts of sound to make uh, to make VoIP something that is a uh, a robust technology that you don't always worry about it's going to crash or how am I how do I look or how do I sound. Excellent. Look, um, you've got to come back, Aaron. This has been fascinating. It's one of our best for you. See, I think everybody would raise their hands and say yes, right? Yeah. Uh, excellent. Thank you, Tim, for the idea. Thanks, Aaron. We will be moving to our mature audiences only version right now. And there's no music or anything. I just click on this button and we're out of here. Next week and the week after, well, we're the 25th of December and the first of the year. So there probably will not be much noise happening on the VUC channel. If there is, I'll try to get a call. I was thinking about calling um, uh, Emil from Jitsi and maybe talking to him and if uh, some of the other guys want to participate, see how his life has changed and what he's doing in Austin, Texas, if he's still there. Uh, but in the meantime, want to wish everybody a very excellent end of the year, season's greetings, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, whatever else there is out there. Uh, to all you atheists, have a good time, drink a lot, smoke a lot, whatever you got to do. We will see you next year, probably, 2016. Take care. Thanks again to everybody who makes this thing great.
Hey, that was the bleeding edge of the IP communications and VoIP community. We're at VUC.me on the web. Thanks to Simwood.com, who can turn you as a developer into a telco. Our host at PBX is provided by OnSIP.com. The site at VUC.me is on Bluehost.com. We use ZipDX.com for our wideband, full-featured conference bridge. And our local rate dial-ins are from Voxbone.com. Every Friday, 12 noon Eastern Time, see you next week.